welcome to another in my series of discussions with academic leaders from around the world, leaders in engineering education. And today, I, I really am delighted to, to welcome Uriel Kukirman. Um, I've known Uriel for a number of years now, and I just want to read you a, a few things about his, his, his background. He currently serves as a researcher and professor at the Universidad Tecnologica Nacional, which is called UTN. He's the director of the Center of Educational Research and Innovation. He's the president of the Argentine section of the International Society for Engineering Pedagogy, a member of the Institute for Engineering Education at the National Academy of Engineering, and associate vice chancellor at the University of Emerging Technologies. He regularly teaches courses on education as a visiting professor in various universities at home and abroad, particularly on topics related to competency-based education and learning technologies. Previously, Uriel served as the Dean at the Faculty of Engineering at the University of Palermo and the President of the International Federation of Engineering Education Societies. And he's also a member of the Executive Committee of the Global Engineering Dean's Council. And Uriel has taught for almost 40 years and has published four books and more than 50 papers and other scientific academic documents. So welcome, Uriel. Um, thank you for joining. And I will also say that, uh, you know, I think I've known you now for probably probably 10 or more years. I remember the first time we met, I think it was in California at a conference mm -hmm. and we, we've, uh, we hit it off right away. We've stayed in touch. So thank you very much for joining, uh, joining me today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have this conversation with you uh, and with the audience. Of course, <laughs> after, after, after this video will be spreading. Now, the one thing I, I want to share with everybody is that Uriel, you know, I just went through his resume, but I know personally he's been committed to the improvement and the, you know, the, the quality of engineering education for, for, for many years. He's been spearheading these bodies and he, and he regularly travels and talks about education and curriculum form. So it's especially uh, pleasurable to have you with me, Uriel, today. But I'd like to get started, really, because one of the things that I, I often hear is the undergraduates coming into engineering aren't really sure about what engineering is, what's the, the bigger picture, what do engineers do? Um, so I thought I'd ask you the question. When you started out uh, just a few years ago, like it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago, <laughs> when you first started, what were your thoughts about engineering education and, and what do you really enjoy or what, what surprised you about the, the, the profession? You know, you know, I think my, my own story is uh, a little bit uh, special, if I can say so, because uh, I decided that I would be an engineer when I was seven years old. Uh, when I, 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 yes, when I visited uh, a cousin who was uh, at, that, at that time uh, studying, uh, you know, technical issues, electronics, and all of that, and I was admired by the kind of things uh, he was able to, to do at that moment. And I said to me, I want to be like this man. And, and that was very special because it's not, uh, the, 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 it's not very common. Uh, nowadays, uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, high school students uh, don't have a, a nice picture of what it is to be an engineer, what it means to be an engineer. Uh, in some cases, they have uh, uh, so they have heard about uh, uh, very difficult uh, 
mathematics and physics and, and it's uh, very tough and it's difficult so they they in some cases they say oh this is not for me and and this is a this is a pity because uh, uh, I I think that being an engineer is uh, is a very exciting thing to do. Uh, I think we we I mean the, the adults are are uh, missing the point in you know in in marketing what what right. it means to be an engineer and and marketing in the in the good sense of it in, in showing them that it showing the you know the teenagers that this is uh, from very very point of very different points of view is it, it, it's very good because but you will certainly will have a, a good job you will uh, you will be uh, working in very nice places you will be developing things that would be really awesome so that, that's yeah. my point of view you know what, what? What's been interesting traveling the world is you get a different sense in, in different places. I know where I grew up in England, uh, the engineering profession at the time. I can't really speak for it today, but it wasn't recognized in the same level as maybe a doctor or or a lawyer or or, or a professional accountant. So so my my father wanted me to actually <laughs> go and become a professional and not an engineer. So, but I'm really happy that I took this path. But I know you're a big proponent of, of hybrid learning. And, and yes. that's, that's an area that you think that the pandemic will enable us to propel forward a bit. Would you mind describing to me what, what you, how you define hybrid learning and, and, and what you, you see the benefits are and, and the, the kinds of things that maybe you've implemented or you've seen in various institutions you're connected to? Yes, yes. Uh, again, before the pandemic, I, I, uh, I think and I know that uh, uh, probably 90% or more uh, of our engineering education was face-to-face, -face. I mean, in school, in classrooms. Now we move to 100% uh, out of school, through Zoom, through uh, uh, virtual media, virtual, uh, virtual environments. And I think that in the, in the near future, we need to find the, the proper balance, the, uh, that, that, uh, that hybrid, uh, learning in which we will have the best of both worlds i mean uh, we need uh, some hands-on we need uh, students uh, touching things you know going to the lab uh, breaking things making you know learning how to how to to work with with, uh, with tools with uh, uh, equipments etc but we also need them to learn how to work remotely. How to, and, and there are a lot of things that they can learn uh, using virtual media, using virtual resources. Uh, we, I think we need to change that environment in which you have 50, 100, 200 students just listening the professor in front of them. That's useless. We don't need that. Uh, we can record that session and allow them to see it, what, what is called the, the, the fleet learning. And we need to work on that to, to prepare the professors to, in order to allow them to do this in the, in the correct way. Because otherwise, what they will do is, in some cases, they will add more theory 
they will explain explain the theory before the class and during the class and so that that's not the point the idea is uh, you you move the 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 part in which the professor speaks uh, to to uh, to the recording and then allow the time with the professor in order to make questions to do activities to you know to have a the, the, the kind of things that uh, active learning proposes. And, and, and you believe in project-based learning and hybrid learning where you can have teams and students come together and interact and discuss. So what have you been able to do at UTN to kind of prepare your faculty to, to, to be able to do this kind of things? Well, that's a very good question. So the first part of this equation is training the professors, uh, uh, I mean, in pedagogical issues. Uh, and the, the second part of it, uh, let me explain in this way. I used to explain this uh, to, to some colleagues in, in some courses that I think, and I, 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 I verified that uh, the, the, the population in general, but particularly the faculties, uh, may be distributed using a, a, a Gauss curve, you know, how the, the normal distribution. Yeah, the normal distribution, and, right. And, it, yes, and in, 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 in one corner, you will find uh, very few uh, faculties that are not able to change. So let them. Uh, Don't worry. They will, they will eventually uh, retire. They will be eventually retired. And on the other corner, you have the, the uh, what, what we call the, uh, the early adopters, those who are enthusiasts, those who are interested in changing things so you you need to work with that group and then when you have a, a group of early adopters enthusiasts people that are uh, able to show the other uh, uh, those who are in the middle of the curve uh, to show hey i've done this and this works and, and my students are happy and i'm happy too and I, they are learning a lot they are learning better and i'm, I'm more interested in what i'm doing and then the other colleagues will say, hey, what, what are you doing? Why don't you explain to me what I, I want to be a, a popular professor like you? Uh, so, and how do you, how do you do that? So you've been putting a lot of energy into those early adopters to make sure they are really successful? I mean, that, that, yeah. that's a really good strategy. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to, to, mm -hmm. to get them to buy in. And, 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 and I guess you can take that one step further. Those professors are obviously having a good impact on their students. So what kind of reaction have you had from the students? I've seen some of the reports that you've written and, and the results that you've, you, you've come away with. How, how are they responding to the use of modern technology at, at UTN? Uh, you mean the students? Students, yeah, the students. No, the, the students love it. They, they, but not just the use of technology, the right. proper use of technology, because it, it's, it's a very different thing. You can add a lot of technology to a bad uh, lesson, to a bad uh, lecture, and you will have a bad lecture with technology. Uh, if, the, if the professor knows how to do it, how to take advantage of that resource in order to improve the learning. So, I mean, you, you, you have obviously put the energy and, and because of the pandemic, things have accelerated. How successful has it been at UTN? Are you seeing the, the needle moving in the right direction? My concern is if this uh, movement is in the needle, will continue 
into that direction and not go back to the to the previous one. Uh, and that's our. I think our challenge nowadays is is to take advantage of what we have done during of what we are doing during this pandemic. And this uh, and this rely sometimes on regulations. I'm trying to change the the regulations in my own university in order to allow uh, professors to continue doing what they are doing right now, because what they are doing right now has been allowed because of the emergency. Uh, allow them to do so. I'm I'm interested in changing my my own course. I, I teach uh, communication and data networking, and I want to have 30% in classroom and 70% on a distance base. I'm not allowed nowadays to do that. So I, I'm 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 pushing the the authorities. Hey, I want to go in this way. Allow me to do even after the pandemic. So that's a university restriction or a government restriction? Uh, uh, part and part. A bit of both. Because the yeah. the other thing you were telling me is the uh, is is you're, you're you're putting together some proposals to make some changes. Because the other piece of this puzzle is those those who don't have the same resources. People who may have to have a part-time job in order to do their studies, or they're traveling a long distance, um, and you want to democratize the, the the process. And the digital transformation allows for this. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you could talk a little bit about more more about the proposal you're you're putting together. Uh, well, my my concrete proposal is in this very first phase after the pandemic is to allow professors uh, to uh, be able. To change the the you know the the, the proportion of uh, in classroom and distance learn. Uh, this this would be a, a first step. Uh, national regulations allow us to have 30% uh, of distance learning in in a, in a regular degree, but that 30% is not for each course, but for the whole degree. So we can have in that mix, we can have one course that is 100% uh, in distance learning and another, another course uh, in 100% in face-to-face. Uh, but this is not allowed in our own university. So changing the national uh, regulation is much more difficult. But changing the, our university regulation is, of course, easier because it depends on, on us. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is in this first uh, step is to to change uh, our own university regulations and uh, allow professors to change not in a mandatory way but in a, in a proposal. Of course, it, this is not just a matter of okay, tell your students do what they think, not what they want. No, no. You have to make a, yeah, a, a plan and to explain how you will develop your your uh, how the students will develop their learning outcomes, uh, which methodologies you will use, which kind of technology, you know, these, well, these different kind of things. But you know, uh, so the other the other thing, which is a, a topic of discussion with engineering schools, uh, something that's obviously interesting to me. Is the is the notion of of laboratories, right? The students have to come to the university and do their labs versus what's possible now. 
Um, what, what are your thoughts on either remote or, or virtual learning for students in terms of the lab experience? I, uh, well, uh, I think uh, we have a lot of technology available to make that uh, possible. Uh, but we, again, going back to what we were discussing in, uh, a few minutes ago, uh, we need to uh, prepare the, the professors. We need to train the professors in order to use uh, to use uh, that technology in a proper way. Uh, it, it is again. It is not just to to to, to throw. Uh, allow me to say to throw the technology there and and, and expect that it it will magically uh, work. Uh, we need to have the, the, the proper tools and also the, the, the proper training for the professors. Uh, I think we need to, to, to find the balance uh, between these uh, two things. I don't know if this answers your question. <laughs> no, I, I, it, it, it's a challenge because I, I know the use of technology is, is not straightforward, but the investment in teaching people the pedagogical methods, I think, is, is, is very, very important. Uh, and, and moving from where it was to where it could be um, has been accelerated by well, what's happened in the last in the last few years. But the other thing, which is you know front and center in everyone's minds these days, is is the uh, the challenges facing facing the world. You know the sustainable development goals, which which exist. Um, how do you believe that those concepts and those challenges can be integrated into an undergraduate curriculum. Uh, I think the, uh, we haven't spoken about a, a concept uh, that is the uh, uh, I don't remember the the, the, the exact word uh, real learning. Uh, I mean learning about uh, real things. Right. Uh, there's a there's a proper word, but I don't remember it. Uh, I think it's authentic. 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 Yes. Yes. Thank you. Authentic learning. That means not learning about what works in the in the book. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, learning about solving problems that are out there that that students can can find when they go uh, to their to their neighborhood, to their villages, and, and uh, there are a lot of problems to solve out there. And, and and we are engineers, and the and the and the goal for the engineers is to solve those problems, not to solve the problems that are in the in the handbook, you know, in the in the professor handbook. Uh, we need to solve the problems that are the real problems that are out there, and those are the problems that are involved in in this uh, this uh, uh, agenda of the sustainable development goal. Uh, and we need to. You know, to promote uh, our students to go out there and to and to find the problems. That's another very important thing. We professors give the the problems to the to the students, and that's not what happened in the real life. Right, right. You don't go to the work and you uh, and your boss tells you, "Hey, I have this problem." No, you have to find out the problem first, then figure out how to solve the problem, and that. That those are the kind of things that students need to learn. Hey, go out there, find the problems, and then try to solve them. This and 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 again, 
this is uh, completely aligned with uh, with the kind of problems that uh, uh, the, the humanity, the humankind, is facing, uh, right. and we need to to uh, to show. Uh, we need to to guide our our students to go out there to find those problems and to try to find and and then when they 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 will have to try they when they will try to find a, a solution for those problems they will need mathematics they will need physics they will right. need chemistry but they will need and they will say oh i need to learn this because this this is what it is for you know they get to understand the relevance of the Yes, because principles behind the, the designs they're trying to work on. Absolutely, because when you put students, uh, particularly first-year students, in in one course of mathematics, one course of physics, one course of uh, chemistry, you know, one course of algebra, what, you know, the the kind of questions they do. What is this for? Why <laughs> well, I'm learning this? Well, the other the other question that always comes up is 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 the classic one is is this in the exam? <laughs> Am I saying, is that going to yes, be the absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, going going down that path, I mean, I was talking to someone this morning and it was around the subject of, of assessment. You know, we're talking about modern engineering and we want to use modern technologies and we want to use authentic experiences to learn, but we haven't changed the assessment approach. Absolutely. What, what kind absolutely. of... Yes, uh, I'm completely against uh, the, the, exams, the, the exam as, as such, I, I I try not to use the word exam. Uh, I, I I try to use the word uh, assessment, and, and and it's very important to change the words because uh, uh, you know I I always uh, do a, an exercise when I'm uh, offering a course or a workshop for colleagues for professors. I asked them, I, I used to ask them, uh, which is the first word that comes into your mind when I say assessment? The majority of them answer exams. Right. And, and I show them that, that outcome of this uh, quick survey. And, and that, that is, we, we, uh, we, we have those assessment and exam uh, joints. Uh, glued one to the other, and that's not the point. We need to um, to 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 improve the, the the assessment methodologies. We need to to assess what they are doing during the course. We need to assess how they participate in group activities. We need to assess uh, the, the, also the, the the kind of mistakes they make, because you know there is no innovation without mistakes. But in, in our classes, in our classrooms, we we punish those who make mistakes, and that's that's awful. So I can't uh, tell you how many times have we been uh, at conferences and we've heard that statement: the fear of failure is something that that yes. exists. And and mm -hmm. and myself, as somebody who wants to bring new engineers into the company, I don't want them to have the fear of. I want them to try new things. Yes. And, so are you able, uh, do you have the flexibility in your courses to make changes to the assessment approach? I, I In my own course, I've been uh, promoting and doing changes for the last 10 years. And, and, and I'm, as I 
previously said, uh, as I have previously said, I, I'm showing my colleagues the kind of things that I'm doing, and I'm uh, uh, inviting them to, to uh, you know, to join to join me in changing things. And I explain to them the kind of exercises that I do, uh, and uh, and I explain to them that I change my methodologies each and every year, because I I run surveys with my students and I learn. I, I change things, I change methodologies, and sometimes my methodologies don't work. Okay, that's not a crime. I discovered that this methodology, this technology uh, doesn't work. Okay, let's change it. I haven't killed any students in the process. So it's, <laughs> it, it, it is not a problem. <laughs> And that's good to, get uh, but, to bring the feedback. So, so do you do you involve? I mean, I know you're a big proponent of hybrid learning and, and project-based learning as well, and that's really important to develop those professional skills. Are you able to bring those into your assessment approach? Do you try that as well? Yes, yes, absolutely. I explain my students that if they succeed, if they succeed in in, in all the different assessment processes that I do during the semester i they they are they are not required to to give an exam okay so the exam is for those who failed in all the previous uh, assessments and usually these are very few it's interesting because i you know i've talked to other people and they say that they sometimes get student resistance because students are used to exams and that's the way that they've been raised right do you find that in some of your students? Absolutely, absolutely. The first, you know, my first uh, lecture, my first encounter with the students, the first day in the semester, I explained to them this methodology. Of course, I, I explained very carefully. I take one or two hours just to explain how I work with them. And at the very beginning, they are against it. They, they complain about it. They say, hey, no, but this is not what we are used to. Why are you changing this subject? We are, we are not comfortable with this. Okay, I know you are not, but believe me, I have a lot of, uh, uh, lot of experience and I show to them the surveys. I, I, I conduct surveys at the end of the year each and every day. I have the results for the last 10 years. Uh, sorry for the, each and every year, not each and every day. Uh, and uh, you know what I found in all my last ten years courses, more than eighty percent of the students answer that they prefer this kind of methodology in spite of the the the, the usual methodology, the, 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 you know, the, the traditional, the typical methodology. Yes. But at the very beginning, they they show their anger. They are not comfortable with it. But at the at the end, they they learn not only they've learned the subject of the of the of the course. I mean the communication and data networking subject. But they've learned to learn, and that's the most important goal. What I focus in my own course is to those concepts that are that will will not change. For example, ex explaining what an electromagnetic wave is, uh, what is frequency, what is, uh, you know, uh, uh, how, 
uh, yes, the, 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 the laws that are unchangeable, I, I, I focus on those subjects because these are things that will be the same in the next 10, uh, 100, 1,000 years. The Maxwell laws are there and it will not change. But explaining what uh, 4G technology is or 5G technology is, what's the purpose of that? We will have 7G or 8G in just a few years, and they will have to learn by themselves. They will not come to me, hey, professor, you, you haven't explained to me 7G. No, because it, 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 it is, we, we, don't know, we don't know what it is right now. So, you have, so right now what I do is I ask them to go and learn by, by themselves. For example, this year, I will ask them to learn what it is 5G, and they will have to come to to the classroom, and they will have to explain their, uh, the, you know, the other students what 5G, and I will uh, ask the other students, hey, make question to them, uh, ask them what you don't understand, ask him, him right. or her or whoever is explaining, and in this way they learn how to learn, because that's the most important skill nowadays, learn to learn. Because uh, apart from those essential concepts that will uh, remain unchanged, the other things will surely change, particularly in the technology world. So how do you, I mean, this, this again, this is something which I hear a lot, is that the engineering program is already packed with so much that students have to learn, so much in, in three or four years you've got, you got to learn. And now we have meetings, you know, we've had many meetings with uh, where we're talking about industry and academia. And industry wants all these things. They want students with skills ready to do the job and, and, and they want professional skills or sometimes called soft skills, which I don't like because I think they, they're really hard. They're not easy at all. Um, and the pushback from engineering faculty in some places is we can't, we don't have time. We can't put that all in our, our course. What you've just described is your approach, your 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 blended approach where you have projects and you have students go out and find authentic uh, projects, authentic issues which they can bring back to the class and at the same time learn the, the science and the engineering behind all of that allows. So, so what do you say to people who say, I don't have enough room to teach them those skills? Well, what's your response? Uh, yes, there is a methodology uh, for, the problem is uh, that uh, professors usually want to put in the in the syllabus uh, all the chapters in the book <laughs> and as, yes and that that's completely true yeah. and and you know the books comes each year with a new chapter because there's new technology and the and the the, the, the author and the publisher wants to sell thicker books because it's more expensive but that's not the point uh, and when you try to put in the syllabus all the chapters of the book, uh, it, it's impossible. You need more time. You need more time, more time each year. But this is a, an endless game. But, you know, Uriel, I, I want to thank you so much. Your passion just screams through. You've been all over the world. I know you've been to many, many places teaching your, your, your approaches. Uh, and that last piece was really, really fascinating. Just the idea, because I think it's really an important one. To, to ensure that when you teach a course or when a course is passed on to students, 
the fundamentally the important the the, the, the concepts which are never going to change they need to be learned in the context of something which is authentic in the context of something which is real and in collaboration with other students and now mm -hmm. if you use that uh, uh, technology that is available today it can be done so much more effectively by enabling students to spend 70 percent of their time essentially doing undergrad engineering work as opposed to sitting in a, a lecture theater trying to figure out what question is going to be on the exam it, mm -hmm. it, I, I, I could talk to you for, for a lot longer, but, uh, you know, um, I know you're busy. You live in one of my favorite cities in the whole world. And I, and I know you promised me next time I come down, you're going to cook me a barbecue. So I, I can't wait Absolutely. for that. That's going to be you fun. Yeah. Well, th thanks very much. That's, a very, that's, a, that's, that's what I expected. It's from the heart. Thanks very much, Uriel. I really appreciate it. Have a great day.